Well, hello everyone. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. I mean, we're we're, we're sitting here in the studio drinking Chinese tea, and right now in China, it's uh, I'm sure it's evening. So uh, good evening to everyone in China. <laughs> Your tea is very good. Uh, welcome to the Mystic Show. My name is Chris Curran, and we do the show every morning, 7 a.m. Eastern Time. It's a one-hour show, and then it's also archived on our website, which is themysticshow.net. And you can also find links to our social media there. You can also find our phone number and our Skype handle. Yes, you can call the show live. If you have a question for me or our guest... We're very happy today to have a guest in studio, right? You know how much we love that. And um, uh, yeah, and I just want to say we're, we're in the middle of reading our book. Uh, the book we're reading now is called Your Invisible Power. So since we have a guest today, we're not going to read from that book, but we'll continue uh, tomorrow. And uh, so I think we should get right to it. I'm, I'm really happy uh, to have in studio... Dr. Catherine Perry. She's the miracle woman of Paramus, New Jersey. She's an intuitive spiritual coach and a master healer, visionary, and an inspirational speaker and author of the award-winning book, Courageous Wake. I'm, I'm really interested to find out more about that. And she she's the uh, creator of some techniques called, uh, one's called Thought Surgery, the other one is called the Quantum Integrative Shift, and uh, she works with individuals and groups, and her tagline is, I love this, lighting paths to happiness, empowerment, and freedom, and your website, just because we, I might forget to say it for <laughs> a long time, uh, uh, net. So Dr. Catherine, welcome to... The Mystic Show. Thank you. So happy to be here today. Right? And you're so lively and we're, well, we're drinking green tea together. So, <laughs> I mean, come on. So you've been, uh, wow, you've been into spirituality for a long time. And, and I mean, I love your bio. I love everything you're doing. Um, you're, you're a spiritual coach, but let's, I just want to touch on the book for a minute. Courageous Wake. Yeah, Courageous Wake. I had no idea what I was doing when I started writing it. I was a uh, conventional psychotherapist doing uh, counseling sessions with people, helping them to improve their life situations. And uh, I started opening to these spiritual gifts and um, becoming very, very, very psychic, which I didn't grow up knowing that I had permission to be psychic, having been raised uh, in a pretty strict Catholic upbringing. They didn't teach that. Mm. And I started opening up to being able to see into people's auric fields, knowing what was going on with them before they came in. Sometimes I would dream about them in advance, and then there they were. Uh, so the writing of it was really not what I first intended to do. Wow. And now, so the book, Conscious Wake itself, what what's the uh, basically the subject matter? Yeah, the subject matter really is, I mean, if you take, if you take the theme itself, um, it is learning to stand in your own power as who you are, being who you are, and not who society expects you to be. But you know, here I was uh, basically going on this bizarre journey of having spirits talking to me, guiding me on what to do here and what to do there, and um, having visions and things like that, and then really overcoming the fear of being known as a mystic or a psychic, because I, I really did, I was afraid of being thought of as crazy. Like a, the crazy lady. Yes, Right. Yes, I thought I was raised in a, you might say, a, uh, whatever, a neighborhood that thought that that was, you know, woohoo, you know. <laughs> yeah. So to accept that gift, and what I found was that paying attention to these gifts and allowing them to blossom caused me to heal myself of some very deep childhood wounds. Right. So that's how you more got into the healing part of it. Yes. So. Yes. So let let's back up then. What so. You, where did you grow up, by the way? Well, that's a funny question with a <laughs> weird answer. Yeah. So what I say is I've lived in a bunch of different uh, cities. My dad was in the Navy. I was born in Virginia, lived in Queens for a while, and then wound up in South Louisiana. 
Nice. For many years. So uh, where did I grow up? I spent the most years in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. All right. And uh, right, I was also raised Catholic, and right, there's no, there's not much talk of, uh, you know, mysticism. Well, there, there's maybe some, but I, I never heard it. Um, but I was always interested in that stuff. So now you, so then what happened? You went to school. To, you be, you got your doctorate first before you started uh, your book, obviously, right? Well, would you believe? No. Oh, I was actually, I actually did that on the journey. Oh, cool. I did that before I published the book. And I needed to, because the things that happened in this, you know, might say mystical-based Doctorate of Divinity program down there in Georgia, uh, this was big, big-time applying spiritual healing stuff. This was, not oh, okay. a, this was not a theology program. Okay. It was like Hogwarts. Oh, I don't know Hogwarts. What is oh, that? that's the school that Harry Potter went to. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So we were learning how to uh, remove entities, like spirits from people. Okay. Channel life force, divine life force energy through our bodies and shift energies of people and go into past lives, things like that. Wow. That So, yeah, you have to be pretty intuitive to do that. So... I'm curious now. What did you when you were <laughs> when you were at the school learning this stuff? I mean, what is what is class like when you're when you're learning those things? What what does the teacher say? What do you do? Well, this is it surprised me because I didn't know what to expect. I just felt spiritually guided to go sign up. So I showed up even though I was going, "Whoa, this is not conventional education." You know, I went to I got academia thing going on. I got the master's degree and all that in counseling. This was totally different. 12 people in the program, and often we would be put into meditation or hypnosis, and the lessons would be given to our subconscious minds through that, and then we would apply them later. Oh, that's fascinating. So you do have a master's in, in counseling, you said? Yes. Okay. So then then when did you start becoming a psychotherapist? Was that the first professional thing you did? No, I was in the corporate world. Uh, when I got out of undergraduate school in the 80s, I had okay. gone into the corporate world working in the insurance industry and then in marketing in the rehabilitative industries. And then when I was home with a baby, I got to do some soul searching and I went back to school to do counseling. And um, so, yeah, the psychotherapy thing started in the 90s. Okay. And so I'm sure having a child, what was what kind of a? I've, I've never even thought of this question, let alone ask it. What kind of a spiritual experience was it to have a child? Wow, you know, I wasn't even thinking about that, other than you know being at least in the pregnancy phase, not the birth phase, but the pregnancy phase. I wasn't really all that aware of my spirituality yet. I was asking a lot of questions. Right. So, but I did know that I could communicate to him. Oh. So. I would talk to him and I would sing to him and play music. I knew that there was this connection. I also knew, but I didn't really speak of it. I just knew inside that before I decided that I wanted to have a baby, I was in the Disney store at a mall and suddenly this little voice, it was like, I want to be your child. And I remember looking at my husband, just looked at him, didn't say a word. I know I telepathically told him that we are going to have a baby. And he was like, oh, my God. Oh, no. <laughs> that You could say, yes, that's a spiritual experience. But like this little soul said that it wanted to come in, mm. you know. Yeah. But as far as the, okay, you know, some people have said every master was once a disaster. <laughs> right. The birth experience. I was so filled with fear. I wasn't into my daily meditating yet and all this, so it was it was scary, you know? Yeah, I'm sure that yeah. must be, yeah. So then you became a psychotherapist after, after a while after you had your child? Right. In fact, I went back to school after he was a year old and uh, went to school at night. Sometimes I was writing papers with him crawling on me, uh, and that, I think, provided some inspiration. It's like, wow, we can uh, really multitask here. He's nice. kind of giving me some creativity. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So then you opened your own practice, I guess? I did open a practice, but I got some experience first in a community-based counseling center. Okay. There was a family services place down there in New Orleans, and people could come in 
for a really low rate and get some counseling. And I got a lot of experience. As you can imagine, New Orleans, you think about that. Right. Wow, yeah. So so counseling is... <clears throat> so you're definitely like a person who cares about other people and wants to help solve problems and release fears and everything. Have you always been like that? I had noticed that people tended to come to me when I was in high school and when I was in college, people would come to me and tell me about their problems. And right. I felt that they could, it was weird. It was like almost like they were going to confession. Oh. It wouldn't matter who it is, whether it was a friend or someone I just met. They just started telling me what was going on and I felt like I was there for a reason. I didn't really know what it was. Something, there's something about me there. And then even when I was in the corporate world, same thing. My employees, when I was a supervisor, a lot of the time we were talking about what was going on in their personal life, or maybe they were afraid of the manager, or this or that or the other. And uh, I was asking myself, is there a bigger purpose to what I'm doing? Right. You must be a good listener, too. Yeah, I can be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can be. Right. You can't always listen too much. Yeah, sometimes I want my turn. You know, come on. <laughs> yeah, that's so we're, we're so... we're spiritual and human, and still part animal. In a way. Yes. <laughs> yes, I agree. And, you know, embracing that animal piece is really important. Right? Yes. Right, because denying it, I mean, what good can that do? Well, denying it just makes you have problems, and I know you know what I mean. <laughs> so, all right, so you, you became, uh, so you went to school, back to school when your son was one, and then you got some experience as a counselor, then you started your own practice, and when did you start, I mean, you know, becoming a spiritual coach and a master healer? How did you transition into that? Tell us. Yeah, it, it was really, uh, it was after I left Louisiana. I left there, moved to Atlanta, Georgia, a little bit north of there, actually. A little town called Roswell, not Area 51, but <laughs> Roswell, Georgia. And uh, as I started having more and more experiences and writing them down, where I was seeing people's auras and being able to clear their problems really, really fast, it dawned on me that I really should shift over. So it was somewhere around, probably around 2008, 2009, that I really started moving away from traditional psychotherapy and more into spiritual counseling and spiritual coaching. Then at, through the doctorate program that I was in, I remember that you know I really ought to implement these um, spiritual releasement techniques and this past life regression stuff. So the more I got confident with the idea that I'm safe out there in public doing this, safe saying I'm doing this, mm -hmm. I began to advertise that way on the internet. Gotcha. So the traditional psychotherapy model or whatever, did you, did you have any problem with traditional psychotherapy or were you just sort of naturally growing into your own way of doing it type thing? A little of both. A little of both, okay. I naturally was growing into the direction of expanding into this higher way, in my opinion, of helping people. A very much higher way, faster way of getting to people's issues. The other thing is, though, with psychotherapy, what I noticed is that, and this isn't all psychotherapists, and it certainly doesn't encompass the whole practice, but it was very based on, okay, we have these theories, and we must put a person in a category of a theory. And I'm very much, if there's one, maybe one or two theorists I really resonated with, it was the ones who were willing to say that each person is unique and each person has a different story, so you can't put them in a box. Those are my words. I'm paraphrasing. Right. So, and even with diagnoses, a person would come in and say, oh, my psychiatrist diagnosed me with bipolar or they diagnosed me with depression. And I knew intuitively that they really didn't have a diagnosis. I knew, for example, that there was an entity attached to them. Or in one case, I knew that this person had a past life issue. Or in another case, I could see the inner child. I could see the little child that the person was, and I knew what their story was. And I said, you know, we can clear that. And when we would clear it, they were fine. So people were getting off their meds. <laughs> right? That seems so simple, and I totally... Totally get that. Um, let's take a quick break here real quick. Um, we're here with Dr. Catherine Perry, author of Courageous Wake and uh, spiritual coach, master healer. We'll be right back.
Okay, welcome back to The Mystic Show, everyone. Yes, our website is themysticshow.net. You can find all kinds of great information there, including our phone number and our Skype handle. You can call us. If you're listening live right now, you can call us. If you're listening to the podcast, the archived podcast, you don't bother calling because we probably won't be here. <laughs> we won't be live anyway. You get the idea. So we're here with Dr. Catherine Perry. She's a spiritual coach and master healer, and we're just talking uh, about uh, some of your background. And Well, you mentioned something to me that um, there was a, you know, coming from traditional psychotherapy, they would put people in these categories, these theories, and that didn't quite sit very well with you, and you would help people kind of clear up energy uh, problem, I don't want to say problems, clear up some bad energy and then they would be fine, right? So you were just, you were just telling me of an example, right? Right, yeah. There was, um, it's actually a guy had told me about um, his ex-wife who he said shortly into their marriage, she began to see spirits and now he didn't believe in that and so he believed she'd basically gone crazy as he put it. And brought her to a psychiatrist, and she was immediately given a diagnosis of having been psycho, um, schizophrenic oh. and having delusions and things like that. So he was put on heavy medication, and he told me about that, and I, I was feeling, I got to tell him. I got to tell him. Tell him what? Well, I need to tell him that whether he believes it or not, I believe that she really is seeing spirits, and no one else is seeing them. Specifically because she was also seeing them only in one room of the house. She wasn't seeing them anywhere else. It was this one room. So I said, look, just have her have her call me. Have her call me. She came in, and by the way, having been on medication, she had gained all this weight. She had ballooned out like more than like twice the size that she had been. She had to stop working. She lost her job. I mean, it really destroyed her life being on these heavy, heavy medications, not to mention her psyche, her normal sense of self with this label of being uh, psychotic, so to speak. Right. So she came in, and um, I asked her the basic questions that one would ask to determine if a person might be uh, schizophrenic. And one of the main main signs is the inability to have a coherent conversation, to have disorganized speech. She didn't have any of that. So basically I said, do you? do you know that spirits are real? There's a spirit world and lots of people talk to them and see them. And she said, no. I said, well, there is. And did you know that you were seeing those spirits? And she said, well, I was. I said, yes. She said, no one ever told me that. I said, I know. Well, did you know that if they're scary to you that you can make them go away? And she said, no. How do I do this? I said, all you have to do is ask for the light to come in. And I called it the light of God. And ask the light to come in and fill them and surround them and just send them love. Just send them love and and say it's okay to go to the light now. And they'll go. She said, wow, no one ever told me that. Well, it was reported to me later she had gotten off her medications. She'd gone back to work. Her life went back to normal. So I said, you just needed a different helper. (laughs) Right. Here we go. Salem witch trial all over again. You know? Oh, Somebody's seeing some. Somebody's having an experience that's different from the norm. Let's put them on every single heavy drug we can throw at them. <laughs> exactly. Put them into some stupor. Yeah. Make them gain weight. I mean, that's crazy, right? Right, right. And it makes you. It makes you think, though. Okay. Well, if that one person had that situation, how many people who are committed or put on medication were done so based on what they said they saw or heard, but nothing else? Right. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. You also mentioned before about uh, and about entities sort of attaching themselves to people. Tell us, what are these entities, and, and then what do they do to people? Okay, so their essences, really, they're, you might say, pieces of consciousness. In psychology, they would call them ego parts or thought forms. But basically, let's, well, let's say that, you know, somebody's great aunt passed away, but the spirit is still hanging around wanting to help and they may attach to a niece or nephew a relative and they they're there because they love the person and they want to help 
them. Okay. Okay. Well, how can that cause a problem? All right. Well, if that person had a health issue or maybe they were depressed, fearful, that person that has that attachment on them can actually start experiencing the problems, whether it be a heart problem, a weight issue, skin problems, fear, anxiety. I've seen this many, many times where if a spirit is attached to somebody, when I release them, the symptoms go away. Even if it's a good entity who means well? Yes, that's the thing. They're not necessarily trying to cause harm. They're really there to help. This doesn't mean all of them are, but I'm talking about this one category. Right. But they are wanting to be with this light in this person, or they want to help them, or they just really like them. And their problems, their issues, the emotions, their unfinished business, you might say, that they had before they passed, is still there in that energy. Mm -hmm. So that has to be removed. The other thing is, on the other hand, there are some we might call dark entities. Um, And whatever you want to call that negative energy, an actual entity, some people call them even demons. I prefer not to use those words. But the thing is, Sometimes they do want to destroy. How do I know that? I've actually had them speak to me through the person. Mm. So while I have the person in hypnosis, the client, I've actually asked, why are you attached? Why are you here? Why did you attach to this person? And the answer has been, because I want to destroy her Mm. or something like that. I want to stop this person from enjoying life, whatever it is. Right. Wow. So, So yeah, so it's amazing how upon number one talking to the entity and saying look you started out as light and you can be that again i help them to do that and they release and then the person i was helping their symptoms go away they have their joy back they have their happiness back they feel like they're back on track so these entities that attach that can attach to people it almost seems like a more subtle version of like a the spirit of a person who passes on that there's like like a ghost let's say a ghost that stays in the house where they live their whole life because they don't want to leave and you know what i mean like yes is it this is it is that the same kind of entity or is one more subtle than the other it's the same thing however they're speaking of subtlety there can be what's called a thought form or a soul mind fragment so it might not be the whole as you called it a ghost or spirit but it could be a, a piece of that, a piece of it just kind of broken off and it's just there. And it's kind of, you know, you could call it a piece of consciousness that's still there. And it may attach the house. It may attach to a person, a pet, a plant, wow. your bank account. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, these things called hauntings. Well, we all, we all have the opportunity to clear whatever negative energy or lower frequency energy we need to clear, whether we call it a spirit or a thought form. But yeah, that's that's really what it is. Um, some of it's more subtle than others. Some of it is very powerful. I've had I've had one throw a book right off a shelf in my house, but it wasn't to hurt. It was saying, "Hey, you ought to read this." Oh wow! It was a Deepak Chopra book. <laughs> <laughs> it was probably Deepak's great grandfather <laughs> throwing it down there. <laughs> yeah. he threw it in, right in front of a client. I said, "Well, I think you need to read that book." <laughs> oh, that's funny. So. That's very, yeah, these entities and releasing them. And I've never done any work like that, but I mean, I I, I don't see that that would be hard at all because I think if if our mind is relatively normalized in a sense that if we're meditating and we're sort of in control of the level of our, that our mind is operating on and we use a little willpower and there's love there, I don't think any spirit or entity or piece of consciousness can have any power over us, right? I agree. Right. I agree. And that, that's the big thing is, is teaching people that they always have the controls. They really are the producer and director of the reality. And that if they're feeling victimized, it may be that the energy of feeling victimized is attracting that to them. That kind of goes into the law of attraction, that like attracts like. It doesn't mean you're, you're bad. It just means you may have some lower frequency energy within you, and it may be attracting that Right. But yes, it, it, love is, as you know, is the most powerful force in the universe and beyond the universe. It's the very base energy that created it all. It's the fabric of it all. So this is the essence that has flowed in when this healing work is done. 
whether you call it healing work or not, you call it transformation work, but that is truly uh, what, what heals it, what clears it, what helps one to transform, and of course helps the entities or the consciousnesses of these beings to also transform. Mm. So, okay, in, uh, I want to ask you about these two techniques that, uh, that you have created. One is called thought surgery. Uh, why don't we start with that one? Tell us what thought surgery is. Yeah, that was, uh, that's wild. I've been doing hypnosis work, spiritual hypnosis, which to me, everything's spiritual, but I'm calling it spiritual hypnosis because some people who do it don't, don't see it in that way. But thought surgery, generally with hypnosis, we hypnotists will give suggestions while a person is in a trance state to help them change. All right, like doing an affirmation while you're in a meditation. What I am doing is I am going in to the subconscious mind, to the auric field, which we know that the mind is really everywhere, right? It's not just in the brain. And literally zeroing in on the energy of the thought that's in the subconscious mind and removing it, doing a sur- surgically removing it, not just adding suggestions. And it's not just coming out because my words are saying that to this person. It is truly that the energy, uh, you might call it divine life force energy, you want to call it I'm channeling uh, the codes of creation, whatever you want to call that. I'm channeling that in to literally go into the thought and remove it, like taking out, you know, taking off a mole. (laughs) Or like a weed from the garden. Uh, Taking out a weed from a garden, literally removing the essence of that and the source from which it came. And then placing something else in its place, which is the basis of that energy of divine love in that space. You know, one of uh, one of my friends here, doc, he's a, also a doctor, he's a chiropractor, Dr. Chris Stepien, he, um, he told me about some, I think it was the, uh, what, what do they call the shaman in Hawaii? The kahunas. Yeah. He said they do some practice like that too, where they literally just weed the subconscious like a garden. I don't know if you knew that. Yes, yes. Okay. There are other there are other uh, techniques that basically do the, in my opinion, the same thing. And um, channel, having channeled that name, thought surgery, it kind of just came to me to call it that. But that really is what it is. And I say that anyone who is doing that work, that work, whatever we're calling it is some of the most powerful, radical, life-changing processes that go that go on on this planet. Definitely, definitely so effective. And even the, pra- the meditation practice that I'm involved with, there's a part of the practice we call cleaning, where you actually clean these, well, they're called samskaras. They're just like residue from thought and action. We clean them to become more pure. And uh, even the spiritual guide can just clean anything. He can clean anything from your current life he can clean past lives he can it can all be cleaned because it's again our our thought power and our will is paramount here yes right yes so those i would say that any anybody who wants to clear out their subconscious mind clear their life of uh debris that's getting in the way to living the way they want to live ought to do one of these things what cleaning or thought surgery or what they're doing in Hawaii, all this stuff. It is so, so powerful and it's so liberating. And you just, uh, you, you, you and I met a couple months ago. You actually recorded a releasing uh, little audio meditation piece, right? Releasing. I did. So I you, did. Yeah. I, for, I forget what it was releasing. Anxiety. Yeah. One of them was, uh, yeah, fear, anxiety, fear, worry, anxiety. And there was one that was releasing guilt. That's a really big one to release, right? I just had a thought on the way over here that, because a lot of, especially women, I mean, who are on the spiritual path, they feel guilty. Well, I don't know what it is with women. There's like a, there seems to be this big guilt factor, like they're not doing enough and they're not doing it right. Yeah. And they should be doing this and they should be doing that, you know. And that's partly because they want to be the, the, the mother and take on everything, right? And make everything okay. But I was almost thinking like some, People are just guilty and like they want to sit there and just feel guilty and, and I don't know, kind of meditate, but they almost take that as to be spirituality. Like if they're feeling guilty and small and they say, oh, the universe is so big, God, please take care of me. 
like they think that just recognizing that is spirituality and that's just the very very beginning Oh, my God. And you're touching on something really big. I actually mentioned this in the book, Courageous Wake, talking about false humility. They're not doing it on purpose. They don't know that. But for eons, and there are many stories like the the Adam and Eve story with, you know, Eve having um, brought the fall of man, which we know isn't really true. But um, the denial of the divine feminine as an aspect of God, uh, all of the denigration, desecration. Even all the social rules that have come from massive cultures throughout this uh, this system of the patriarchal system, you might call it, uh, that have made women less than, and said that women, you know, should hide their sexuality. There's something wrong with them. There's something wrong with their sexuality. They're less than. Even F- Sigmund Freud had said that women are uh, flawed men. <laughs> They're really flawed men. Uh, so, oh God! But the, yeah. But speaking of the false humility, it was this notion, and throughout a lot of traditions, a lot of religious traditions, cultural traditions, have taught that to be a sufferer, to be a martyr, to make yourself small, is to be more holy, more good, more noble. And we now know that's not true. But people would, you know, when nuns would take their vows. It would be, or even monks, you know, my family, uh, along my family line, I found it on Ancestry.com, St. Francis Xavier, you know, he gave up all his stuff. He was born a nobleman, you know, very wealthy, castle, all the whole, all nine yards. And uh, they take vows of uh, po- poverty, vows of suffering. Yeah. And uh, even in some, well, for example, in, in Christian traditions, and some of them, they say, oh, well, that's just your cross to bear. Like, you've got to bear a cross. Right. So making yourself suffer, ah, I suffer, oh, I'm good. Yeah. I'm noble, I'm holy, I'm, I'm spiritual. spiritual, yeah. Yeah, and that is not that may, that is not the true message that has come through from some of these sages, from Jesus, for example. That was not at all what was being taught, but that was what was perceived. Yeah, and that... and. Really, that's the difference between religion and spirituality right there. Religion sort of puts this thing on you, well, especially the the Catholic religion, because we're both, you know, it's all guilt. It's all, you're a sinner, you better repent, and you got to tell us, confess your sins. And um, But those of us who have sort of woken up a little bit to kind of realize true spirituality, it's, it's, it's an inside job, you know, it's really about love in your heart and becoming that and literally dropping all that other baggage because that's all it is it's just baggage religion yeah. everything right yes yes it, it it is it's a program i mean it's a it, it's a control program and i'm not saying they're all bad there are good nuggets people can get everywhere in life we're on the river to the big ocean if you know what i mean so they all lead there but uh you know this notion of unworthiness oh you know it, i talk to a lot of Catholics who are you might call them recovering Catholics. <laughs> they are they are. And the one thing that they're carrying is the, a lot of guilt and not feeling worthy, not feeling good enough. And I asked them, well, okay, are you aware that you were hypnotized in a way? <laughs> and I know I was. One some of the words you say in the Catholic Church, I think every every mass they say um, I am not worthy to receive you. What? Yeah. Um, excuse me. And they started. Yeah, they started. <laughs> they started at age what five? Kindergarten? What? Yeah. I, and they're saying that, and their parents are saying that, and their grandparents are saying it, and the priest is saying it. And it's like, well, that is the exact opposite of spirit. I mean, it's within you. You know, Jesus had said, "The kingdom of heaven is within you." He said, "I am in you, and you are in me, and I am in my Father." Well, my Father, Mother. The Aramaic word for uh, in the Our Father prayer was really my beloved. My beloved, which was a mother father, right? It wasn't masculine, so but it was all about this oneness, this unity, this this all encompassing um, spirit. You know, we're the whole spirit, that's where the word holy comes from. So, this whole business of separation, and you're going to be punished if you mess up, and mm-hmm. you're not good enough, and nothing you do is ever going to be good enough, and you could actually go to a place called hell. None of that. <laughs> None of that is true, <laughs> right? So let's uh, let's take a quick break here. We're 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 so happy this morning to be speaking with Dr. Catherine Perry, author of Courageous Wake and uh, spiritual coach, master healer. Um, this is great. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. 
Welcome back to The Mystic Show, everyone. <laughs> I'm Chris Curran, and uh, this is The Mystic Show. I didn't even announce it at the beginning of the show, but this is the show where we talk about spirituality, mindfulness, and also a nice healthy dose of personal development. Uh, because that's, you know, like I've mentioned before, you can talk about spirituality all you want, but until until you actually apply it in your life with the proper intention and, uh, you know, and, and that's the only way you're going to be able to experience the benefits of a higher awareness and also be able to help more people and love other people. Uh, so, so we love personal development. And our guest today is Dr. Catherine Perry. She's a spiritual coach and a master healer. And uh, you work with individuals and groups of all sizes. And by the way, your website is uh, net, And that uh, the link to your website will be on the show post, so people can always find it on our website. But what are your thoughts on uh, personal development, like even traditional personal development, like goal setting and stuff like that? Is it, has that ever been a part of your life? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, we are naturally growth-oriented. We are constructivists. We are creators. So we're always moving toward something, toward a potential. We're always expanding and growing, whether we know it or not. So whether you call it goal setting or setting intentions or cleaning out the subconscious mind or coming to an awareness of who you are, why you're here, what is your purpose, and then how you're going to express that with fun is very, very important. I don't, I don't know that there is one human being. I know there isn't. There's not one human being on the planet that's not growing. They may not be aware that they are, but they are. So getting into greater awareness of this and being on a, that path all the time is of utmost importance. Right. Very true. I totally agree. And um, so, so you work with groups as well. You, you speak a lot. What do you, uh, what do you mainly address groups with? You know, it really all boils down to, I'm telling you, whatever the subject is, whether it's uh, helping people to be more calm and not be as stressed, to feel they have more control of their lives, whether it's in a relationship or whether it's with their work or their relationship with money or with their wealth, whatever it is, it really boils down to being happy. And what is it that makes happiness? Well, when you... When you really are in touch with who you are and you're whole, so to speak, you're integrated with mind, body, spirit, and you have this sense of your 100% value and you love and accept and approve of, approve of yourself, you are going to be happy. So it's funny because I've, I've talked to executives who are interested in doing better with their businesses. And I've talked to women's groups who they want to be able to make, have greater meaning in their life or uh, people who are interested in getting rid of addictions or habits that, they, that no longer serve them. And it really all is ultimately what do you want? Because if you achieve all this, what will you have? I'll be happy. Yes. <laughs> so that's it. And when you feel happy, what? Okay, you feel free. Right. You feel empowered. What's my tagline? Lighting your path to happiness, empowerment, and freedom. Lighting paths of happiness, empowerment, and freedom. So, yeah. So I, the, one of the biggest ones that, that comes up for speaking topics and workshops is how to use your own energy, your own life force energy to create, to be a manifester of what you desire. So it's a little bit of the law of attraction in there. It's mindfulness and it's some habits and steps to use every day that they can apply so that they can use their inner GPS or their remote control or whatever it is, their mm. magic wand that they have all the time. <laughs> when you were talking about being happy that that's the ultimate goal, I thought of this email chain that went around and it told the story of a of a, an American who was on vacation in, I don't know, South America somewhere near the ocean. And the American saw this guy just sitting there relaxing, fishing. And he's like, what do you do? He's like, oh, I just fish. We live here. We're happy. 
He's like, why don't, and the American says, why don't you get a job and earn some money? He's like, I don't need to. And he's like, yeah, but then what are you doing? And then the, the island guy said, well, what are you doing? He said, well, we, we have jobs, we earn money. And he says, well, what do you do with your money? Well, we buy houses, we buy food and buy clothes. And, and then the island person said, um, and then what? What's your goal? Well, the goal is to have enough money so we can retire on an island and just chill out near the ocean and relax. And the, and the guy's like, well, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right? Yeah. So we're just, good. I don't know, like, do you feel, I mean, I don't know what to call it anymore. I mean, it was called the New Age Movement for years. And I mean, of course, 150 years ago, it was called the New Thought Movement. To, these days, it might be spirituality coming in. Do you feel any society changing at all, embracing? Do you feel like an evol- that the earth is evolving and that people are becoming more open to spirituality? I, I do feel that. Whether they call it spirituality or not, I, I feel this huge shift happening, and I see it. I'm seeing it everywhere. I'm hearing it when I hear the children who are my son's friends talk. I hear the conversations. Even turning on uh, a radio station, it was a thing was listening to the John Tesh show, and he was talking about how they're now working with schools to help kids with stress, and they're creating mindfulness programs and integrating meditation there, and um, lots of lots of different conversations happening. I hear the word intuition being talked about a lot more. Used to be, you know, being psychic is taboo. Now it's, are you using your intuition? Well, did you trust your gut? This is being integrated. <laughs> You're hearing it everywhere, you know, in, in corporate corporate world and in education. So, yeah, I, I feel that there's a huge awakening. I mean, I'm, I'm seeing it. Yeah, I also feel it. And, and one thing, too, with, with Nelson Mandela just passing away, and I was asking, uh, actually, the maintenance guy here, his name is Barry. He's an old older gentleman who's sailed around the world. He's been to South Africa several times. And I asked him, I just asked him, tell me about apartheid and all this stuff. Because I didn't, really didn't know the whole history. And he told me and about the separation of the blacks and whites in South Africa. And that it was basically, it went away in 1990 is when they kind of abolished it, whatever. But I thought, you know what? In 2013, I don't, could any nation on earth actually pass laws to segregate blacks and whites and all that? I think the earth is more evolved than that now. I don't think that could happen now. It, it is more evolved right now. It is. I, I can't imagine that happening um now right that's weird yeah we're moving more toward uh collaboration and cooperation and integration moving away from separation and competition and domination and control so this i'm seeing this everywhere and in places that you wouldn't think that you would see well look even in the nfl or in some of the nba you're noticing the players are wearing pink uh, and they're they're they put a little bit of like a pink ribbon or something, or they got a little bit of bright pink on their helmet, and they're honoring women basically. And now that's in awareness of helping heal and cure breast cancer, but they're they're really letting that yin, that feminine energy, come in to balance balance them out. Right. You know, getting away from aggression and more into collaboration, cooperation, love. Yeah, that's great. So let's, uh, I wanted to ask you, um, because I, I mean, <laughs> it's not that I have a fascination with death, but I, I really like asking guests and, and people who are working in the spiritual field or, or learning about and teaching about spiritual topics, you know, uh, ultimate goal, like obviously uh, as human beings, we're all going to pass away. And so everything we do here. I mean, obviously, you can earn a lot of money, but you can't take it with you. <laughs> right. So, what? Tell me your thoughts about death, or what? Or, you know, or, or just anything really. Your thoughts about the whole journey, the cycle. I know, without any doubt, that there is no death. That what we perceive as so-called death is not that at all, that we are consciousness, we are spirit, we are consciousness, and we are that, taking some time 
to be in space-time continuum for a while and to express in lower density energy that appears to be and feels as a body and to be in form. So there's no death. It's just an illusion. When you were born, so to speak, a part of your consciousness agreed to express in form to experience the world of form and to realize the potential, the creative potential of who you are. When we come into form, part of getting into that human outfit or suit is... uh, (laughs) The meat suit. The meat suit, yeah. It's uh, a little amnesia about what you are. You forget who you are. It's like a superhero coming in and, and agreeing to come in and have amnesia for a while and to believe that that's who they are. We're not that. We are spirit in the body and we're spirit out of the body. There's no, there's no separation. So it's, um, it's, there's no death. Right. Do the people who come to you for, for spiritual coaching, um, I mean, I guess they're all open-minded enough to to hear your thoughts about things like this and be open to it. Are some of them not so open ever? Occasionally. There used to be more of that than now. But I also know that because um, what's in my inner self, in my subconscious mind, is being projected out in front of me. If someone is skeptical or not open... That then it's time for me to look at myself and say what is what part of me within me is not open and skeptical because that's really all that is reflecting. So, what I do is when I'm channeling the highest part of myself, that highest consciousness, that highest vibration, it literally flows through into the other person's consciousness and raises their vibration, so they can be more open and receptive to it. They receive more than my words energetically they're receiving it so it opens them if that makes sense it does actually and 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 i think what's what's the opposite of that when you're not in control of your own self and people can suck your energy can people suck your energy i i like to say now that no (laughs) because i'm using my mind to create the fact that it doesn't um but yes i i do know that if we're not aware of and in control, taking control of our energy, we can literally get it, some of it sucked out and and we need to take control of that. So is it possible? Yes. Have I had to reboot my own energy? Yes. Um, so being aware of our, our energy field and deliberately creating a discerning, uh, empowering, or some people call a protective energy shield around us so that our energy doesn't get so-called sucked out by what's been called an energy vampire so to speak yes they're doing it subconsciously they don't know they're doing it i forgive them i forgive you all uh and myself but yes so uh yes so my belief right now is and i would suggest that anybody who's listening would would have the intention that um they are not a victim and no one can take your energy and that you have a discerning shield around you at all times allowing you to maintain your energy level right very good and um I wanted to ask you about, uh, kind of change the topic a little, and ask you about American society. Well, we're here in America, but, it, you know, I, I've been to several other countries, and, you know, many other countries are trying to become more American because they see us as rock stars, and maybe economically we are, but whatever. Um, but the whole, you know, higher values and teaching and 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 passing higher values on to our children... Um, as opposed to passing lower values on, like, you know, watching TV and and not having a good work ethic and all this stuff. Um, just the American culture, is it anti-spiritual or or can someone raise children in this culture and, 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 and develop higher awareness? Okay. Let me answer that question in the highest way I know and make sense. You are in this world and not of this world. You are in your society or culture, but not of that society or culture. So to call it 
an American culture as it exists, it is that too is an illusion. So if you're willing to be the consciousness that you are, whether you're a parent or a single person or whatever you're doing, to understand that you are not of this illusion, but that you can still be in it in a conscious way, then yes, you're capable of making it whatever it is. You see? Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. So keeping that mindset all day, every day, that's not easy, is it? Especially for a beginner? For a beginner, I think in anything, you can face challenges, of course. And so we practice, just like going to the gym. You know, if it's your first day at the gym and you've never lifted any weights, you might want to start with some little... <laughs> right. Right. Little low weights. You might want not want to do it every day. You just start easy and just build up. So when you're starting, you want to get an exercise to do, something easy. So instead of getting into full-blown one-hour meditation every day, which I don't really think is necessary, but you may want to, what about five minutes? Five minutes first thing in the morning. You wake up, you take a few deep breaths, really deep, hold it, and blow it out. Do that a few times and just intend to be more consciously aware in that day and end your day the same way. Just start out like that and then build from there. Right. Yeah, and I've, I mean, in my own life, I've been practicing meditation for many years and and I do find when you take any amount of time and sort of recenter yourself and just come back to yourself, it, it really changes your environment. I mean, you know, cha- I mean, there's a the, that little sign on the wall right here. It says, change your thoughts and you change your world. I love that. Change your thoughts and you change your world. You might not change the world, <laughs> But you're changing your world. You are changing your world. You are. Look, I was driving through New York City the other day. Well, it's actually at night. You know how it can be. Lots of traffic. Hong Kong. Even when you didn't do anything, they're honking at you. <laughs> and I started saying to myself, you know, everything, everything that I'm experiencing out here is a reflection of what's happening in me. What can I say to myself to change that? And I was saying to myself, I'm filled with love. Every cell in my body and my entire mind is filled with unconditional love and happiness and joy. I am filled with love. I am filled with love. Don't you know, I look around and I see people smiling right at me. (laughs) Total strangers just looking at me, smiling like they know me, as if they are in love with me. It was beautiful. Wow. Yeah, I had a sales trainer one time too, and he said when... He would walk into the the business where he was going to sell something. Some some salespeople walk in and they're like a little timid and worried and you know not so confident. And then guess what response they get from the the prospect? It's not good. But my sales teacher, he said he'd walk in like he owned the place, as happy as can be, and just great. And he says everybody loved him. Every you know. <laughs> yeah, it's really it's true. And what you think you're going to experience. How you feel, that's what you're going to experience. So go within. If something's happening outside of you, whether it's American culture or TV or your spouse or whatever it is, um, stop, pause, take a deep breath and ask yourself, you know, how, how am I feeling inside? And then shift it. Shift it right then and there. You know, I, I love myself. I respect myself. I approve of myself. And I love everyone else. Watch the magic happen. Right. So we're we're getting down to the wire here, but I did want to touch on um, you, you, well, the whole con- the whole connection between spirituality and mindset and and your physical health, right? Let's just tell us about that for a minute or two, because I know I mean I know you work with people who are having some health problems, and um, I mean you're not a medical doctor, but just tell us how it works with. Yeah. yeah, the the uh, so there's no separation between mind, spirit, body, consciousness. It's all one. So you could say we have a mind body. Your your body is a mind. It's a mind. You know, it's just a picture of your mind. So when someone says, "I have a diagnosis of this," "I have a diagnosis of that," it doesn't matter what it is. What what I tell them is that 
it doesn't really exist. You're projecting this and experiencing this. And so when we shift the mind, you'll naturally balance out. So you could say, is it practicing medicine? Well, it's, it's thought medicine, thought surgery. You're doing it yourself. And the energy I'm using is a catalyst to assist you in changing your vibration. But it's all mind. It's all vibration. It's all consciousness. And we always have a choice. There's, no, there's nothing physical that causes anything physical. And those of you who've studied you know, the, the Bible or some of the holy books, well, even the Paul, Paul had said, you know, nothing that is, everything that is seen comes from what is unseen. And that's the same with your body, with your health, even with your car. Right? Yeah, you can change that battery if you change your mind. <laughs> well, it might be faster if you haven't practiced to just go to a mechanic, but seriously, you, you can do that. Yeah, I mean, we've heard, I mean, look, Louise Hay has made a whole career because she had was diagnosed with cancer and she just started working on her gratitude and changing her mindset and it cancer went away. And a- Absolutely. How many thousands and thousands of people have done that? Oh, it's it's amazing. It's amazing. I've done it with myself. You know, I had a, a medical doctor uh, had told me that I had something uh, wrong with my thyroid said you're going to have to be on, be on medication for the rest of your life and I did the meditation thing and shifted it. And in six weeks, the blood work was totally perfect, and I never took a pill. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, Dr. Catherine, this has been truly wonderful for me this morning, talking to you on The Mystic Show. Thank you so much for, for being on The Mystic Show. Thank you. Yeah. Dr. Catherine Perry, uh, author of Courageous Wake and uh, spiritual coach, master healer. And people can find you on your website, www.catherinepperry.net and I will be putting that link on the show post so people can easily find it from here uh, until eternity and uh, this has been just a great chat I mean this is totally like tip of the iceberg (laughs) fabulous so uh, you'll have to come back someday would love it yeah hopefully you can so well I thank um, I thank you for listening this has been really good Um, so many great topics and you know, little techniques here and there. And, you know, as we move through our day, maybe we can just be a little more mindful of these things. And and like Dr. Catherine said, when you're sitting in traffic, maybe have some thoughts that you're filled with love and light. Try it. It's just an experiment. Well, thank you for listening. And um, as always, keep shining.